Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Wanted to tell you about some of the specialty podcasts on the Ringer Podcast Network, like Larry Wilmore's Black on the Air. Larry interviews a variety of guests that usually have to be pretty smart because Larry's a smart guy about politics, sports, culture, you name it. That's called Black on the Air. J.J. Reddick, he has his own podcast. We named it after him. We thought that was a good idea. It's called the J.J. Reddick Podcast. During the season, he's going to pull in not just guests from the basketball world, but guests from outside the basketball world as well. And also the Dave Chang Show. That's happening too. He is one of the best chefs in the world. He has a podcast where he breaks down all the rigors of of starting a restaurant, of maintaining a restaurant, of chefs that are in his world, of celebrities that eat his food. It's a fantastic podcast. Check that out. And then finally, Dual Threat with Ryan Rosillo every Tuesday night during football season, college football, pro football, lots of takes, lots of thought out takes. I even appear on this show from time to time. Dual Threat with Ryan Rosillo. So check all those out. You can subscribe to all of them wherever you get your podcasts. But most importantly, they are all on the Ringer Podcast Network. Yo, yo, yo! Ringer FC, we are back. We are not on international break. This is Donnie Kwok, East Coast Bureau Chief of the Ringer. As always, I'm with Ryan O'Hanlon. Is this a testimonial? (laughs) (laughs) This is a testimonial. We'll get into that a little bit later. I'm also here with Micah Peters. Whether or not this is a testimonial, I do intend to be throwing in two-footed tackles. (laughs) As you should. As you should, on today's episode, we're going to do a quick review of the latest round of international fixtures in the UEFA Nations League. We're going to open up the sack, the Ringer FC mailbag. It's full. It's teeming with letters. We'll get to your questions. And then later, we'll preview the Premier League weekend ahead and close with an announcement about the show. But first, let's talk about the Nations League. A couple weeks ago, Jurgen Klopp called it, quote, the most senseless competition in the world, end quote. Later, Spain boss Luis Enrique said it is a, quote, perfect competition, end quote. Ryan, which is it? The most senseless competition in the world or a perfect competition? It's almost like those two guys have directly competing incentives in this conversation. <laughs> almost like that. <laughs> uh, I think the Nations League is better than the World Cup. He said it. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Wait, no. Let's, let's, let's dig oh, into it. Let's put some pressure on that a little bit. Well, yeah. first of all, in context, we literally just watched France beat Germany 2-1 to one in a thrilling match, actually. Back and forth. Germany took the lead on a penalty. France scored two goals in the second half. It was back and forth. Really exciting stuff. Yergi Love might be getting the sack now. Uh, but, you know, it's funny because I was thinking that after watching England and Croatia play that closed-door match, the nil-nil bore, I was leaning toward this thing is really senseless. But then England beat Spain, and we just watched France beat Germany, and both matches were open and exciting, and now I'm like, maybe it is the perfect competition. What say you, Michael? I think that I tend to 
lean more on your side of reasoning. I mean, like watching that oh, that that Croatia England match was just such a nothing game. I was upset was at myself by the sixty third minute for having watched sixty three minutes of it. So <laughs> it turns out football needs fans. Yeah, you know, it's they are in, integral to you know your enjoyment of the game. Anyway, yeah, the stop, Spain- stop with the swastikas, please. <laughs> It's reasonable success, reasonable request. It's a very reasonable request, but yeah, I think I'm I am more on the side of you know Luis Enrique's reasoning uh, after this past week. Well, I think you got to like like we watched England Spain and that was a hell of a lot of fun. Then we just watched right. Germany France. England won three to two. We uh, just they, watched. They jumped out to a three 0 lead in the first half and Spain scored two, but three two England. Yep, three open play goals for England also. Three overplay goals, but... Three shots on target. <laughs> yeah, on three shots on target. Yeah, three shots on target. Let's also note that uh, that second goal was kind of like a loop-deflected header that made its way up to Harry Kane, who just kind of pondered around for a second and then picked out Marcus Rashford because Nacho was going to sleep like he had the entire game. But then today, France-Germany, it was fun... To kind of see them showing the stand, the changing standings in the group. When Germany was up, they would have been in first, and based on the way the game ended, they're now in last. And I think you saying that Yogi Love's job is in jeopardy just speaks to like the fact that the games matter a little bit more. Like it's obviously not a perfect competition, but would you have rather watched those two games or like a random England friendly against Chile in in at Anfield? You know what I mean? Like it sounds like Ryan's the one guy in the bar that understands how the Nations League actually works. <laughs> I'm the because one I do guy know who had to that, write about it. <laughs> I, do, I, do, I do know that after this round, Poland and Iceland have been relegated from Group A. I know Germany's at the bottom of their group. No, of their section of Group A? Group 1 of, of League, League A. A. Sorry, of League A. <laughs> They're in Group 1 of Ligue A. They're at the bottom and in danger of being relegated. Not relegated yet, as far as I know. They need to get a result against Holland. And I don't even know what the fuck. But Germany may be relegated, basically, to League B, whatever that means. Which will be kind of hilarious and an extension of what happened at the World Cup, you know, where typically we wouldn't have any sort of statement on the quality of the team for another uh, two years until the Euros. So I think I find that kind of interesting. We were talking a little bit about this offline, though. Do you think that the main reason why people are saying they enjoy the Nations League, as you're saying, Ryan, is because these games have stakes and they feel meaningful in a way that friendlies don't. But the fact that they are, that they do have stakes, does it then necessitate these national team managers playing more kind of tried and true conservative lineups and not experimenting uh, in a way they would if the if the games were just friendlies. I mean, we kind of, you know, France basically started the same eleven that they played the entire World Cup. I mean, Germany had to experiment. That was more because they got tonked three nil by the Netherlands over the weekend. Um, but you saw it with England as well. Uh, they played Harry Winks, I guess, against Spain, but that's because Jordan Henderson was suspended. I guess I'm speaking about guys like James Madison. Jaden Sancho, Mason Mounts, all of these exciting players that uh, England took with them but didn't play because they had to get points. Mm. I mean, I think you're right that it encourages them to be not quite as experimental as they would have, but it also kind of fills the calendar with 
meaningful games in a time when we wouldn't have them, you know? So I, 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 I mean, I guess we're losing seeing James Madison in a friendly, but I don't, I don't quite know like what that loss then precipitates long-term. You know what I mean? Right. Like, is it going to make, is it going to mean that a guy like James Madison has no chance of making the Euro roster now because he's not playing in these games? I'm not quite sure yet. I mean, does it also, is the other end of that, the star players, are they just going to get run into the ground? I mean, I was looking at, I mean, that was an intense match we just watched, that Germany-France match. Mm. It's, a tu- it's Tuesday. Manchester United played Chelsea on Saturday. Conte and Pogba played the full 90. And then That's a good United point. has Juventus right afterward. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, like, and, I think and there's that another round coming in November of, of Nations League matches. So, yeah, Micah, sorry. No, I'm saying that that's, that's also uh, a reasonable concern to have. And I, I think that that also, you know, factors into Klopp's opinion of the, of right. the Nations League is that it compounds yeah. like injury scares. Um, I mean, like, just like, I, I know that Ryan doesn't really want to talk about that, but Navi <laughs> Keita actually just left. Uh, but that was, I mean, like, you know, that was, if you are stepping onto a field, you are on the risk of getting injured. Yeah. I mean, I think overall, players, they just probably play too many games at this point. And I think, uh, I remember Carlo Ancelotti did an interview with ESPN and talked about how, because of that, he barely ever has had time at training. Um which might have uh, shown through uh, with his Bayern Munich's team's performances. Mm-hmm. I'm here all night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, don't, I don't know if the sort of extra degree of intensity makes that much of a difference um, compared to just playing in a friendly game. Uh, anything else Nations League related? I, sh- I should note here that uh, Paco Alcácer... Uh, I said that right, right? Alcalfa? I thought it was Paco Alcacer. Alcacer, I think. Alcacer? Wow. Isn't it Alcacer? The people that are listening to this are tearing their hair out. But I'm telling you, this is... They always correct us on Twitter anyway. You know what? I think it's Alcacer. You know, with the th, fizzle sound. (laughs) Yeah, if you want to get into the Catalan uh, pronunciation. Alcacer. God bless you. you, Andre Silver and Christoph Piantek. Somebody on Twitter pointed out how to pronounce that. It's Piantek. They all scored. For their respective nations, keeping up their respective hot streaks. Uh, did you guys have any other Nations League comments? I saw Harry Wilson, Liverpool product, scored for Wales. They beat Ireland 1 0. I don't necessarily know that I had any other Nations League uh, stuff to say outside of the fact that, and we kind of touched on it before about what you were talking about how France played their same lineup from the World Cup. It's. Truly remarkable. So annoying. <laughs> like that they won the World Cup with training wheels on and also without a four that had a single shot on goal and without two any fullbacks. Oh my gosh, Giroud was peak Giroud today. It was <laughs> that can't last forever. I at love some that point. Giroud was on the field and it was Antoine Griezmann that scored the header. Yeah. It's the Emile Heskey. <laughs> Emile Heskey of France. The one guy that didn't play was Mendy. Mendy was Mendy's hurt, right? So he wasn't in the eleven. It has been fun to at least see the Netherlands sort of trot out this young team and get games against France and Germany. So that's been nice, as opposed to just seeing them play in a friendly. I, mm. I've enjoyed that. Yeah, they did play a friendly today. They drew with Belgium. Uh, they were wearing their very nice away kits, which we missed in the last World Cup. 
They're back. They're slate blue joints. Uh, so in, in case you are listening and don't know what those <laughs> look like, they're very pretty. But Ryan's boy Frankie did not play today. So he only plays when it matters. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough Nations League banter. Now let's move on to the mailbag. These are all questions submitted by listeners via Twitter. Thank you, listeners. There's a lot of them. We'll go over them as quickly as possible so we can get to a lot of them. Uh, I kind of grouped them here, guys, by subject. So we'll start with some Arsenal stuff. Oh, what a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, At Joe underscore Dirt asks, how many more games does Arsenal have until they regress back to the mean? And related at Dylan Schimberg asks, is this run of wins and high volume scoring sustainable from Arsenal? These are very pointed XG questions directed at the XG God. So Ryan, tell us how Arsenal tell us how <laughs> Arsenal will regress to the mean. Uh, we were just well, now looking at those plots <laughs> on understanding. Well, uh, Arsenal is currently, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10th in expected goals in the Premier League, expected goals scored, and they are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. 9th in expected goals allowed, but they are also on 18 points, 2 points off the top of the league. That's just a rate that's not going to continue because it has never continued since we've had this data for soccer over the past probably 10 or 15 years. I think a more an easier way to understand it or, or look at it is that Arsenal's taking 45% of the shots in the games they play in, mean, meaning they're getting outshot every game. No team's ever qualified for the Champions League in the Premier League with below 50% of the shots. Um, most Many relegated teams have had a better shot percentage than Arsenal has right now. That is not me saying that Arsenal is suddenly going to get, like, lose every game and get relegated. I think you're seeing it with Emery as he's kind of still mixing things around with the lineup that I would actually imagine you're going to see their underlying performance improve a little bit while you also see the sort of hot run they're on slow down a little bit and they kind of settle into like, you know, fifth, fifth, sixth. I mean, isn't that where they're, what, fifth now, right? Fourth? Yeah, but I'm less like more of a distance between them and the, the top three. Mike, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, no, I mean, like, as in, I, like, I don't have any more numbers <laughs> to throw at you, but I mean, like, just in terms of like whether or not something will production at that level is sustainable, it isn't. Not not over a, a sizable period of time, as the Premier League table begins to settle into itself and spread itself out. I I'm sorry, that, they're, they're in fourth on goal difference above Spurs. Should have known that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did you not know that? How did you not know that one? <laughs> uh. Because, I mean, it's related to my rebuttal here. We're only eight matches into the season, so it's a small sample size. Um, any table that has Arsenal below Southampton is a load of shit. <laughs> But 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 further, I actually did some digging. I was reading some analysis on Stats Bomb and Seven AM Kickoff and some of these other analytical sites, and it it seems as if their XG is is it's disproportionately weighed by the results against Cardiff and Fulham, mm-hmm. where they greatly overperformed their XG. Uh, it was they scored three against Cardiff and five against Fulham in their most recent match. So I think it's variance. It's small sample size. They have. A hundred million pound strike force. 
um, that are going to outperform, I believe, their XG because of their finishing skill. And, you know, I think it in that 7 a.m. kickoff article I read, it said Chelsea were plus 23 over XG when they won the, when, when they won the league two years ago. City were overperformed XG by 15 last season. So I think the bottom line is you have to overperform XG to, I mean, I'm not saying Arsenal are going to win the league, but to finish high on the table. So, yes, maybe they've been, you know, uh, maybe they are primed for a regression to the mean. But if they are going to stay high on the table, they're going to have to continue to overperform or outperform XG. That's fair. I just, yeah. I, like, I think if they didn't overperform it for the rest of the year, they would still be about nine goals ahead of XG based on what they've done thus far. And even that in itself is a bit of overperformance. Right. So... The Arsenal issue, I think, with me is just the defense more than the attack. The attack, you know, they have these players you're talking about that can kind of get hot, but the expected goals allowed and goals allowed are, are almost lined up, and I think that that's kind of been the issue for a couple of years now, and it hasn't been fixed yet, so. Yeah, I don't think, it's just like the question isn't really whether or not overperforming XG is essential to winning the league. I mean, like, it is, but it's the question is whether or not this overperformance is durable to the length of the season. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I, one last thing I'll add to that is that uh, the torreira Jaka pivot has only been in place now for a few games, so I think we'll see moving forward. Um, that's going to make a difference. Anyway, moving on. Next question. Related at Bertram Proctor says, or asks, <laughs> Donny versus Ozil discuss... I think we've discussed this enough. <laughs> I'll say this. Mesut Ozil just turned 30. So happy birthday. <laughs> you salty bastard. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing left to be said. We all see the decline. He's, he's no longer an integral part of the team. Uh, they scored five goals without him, in fact, in their last match. And we'll just be paying him 350k a week for the next few few years. It's crazy that that's coming out of your pocket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, how often do you reference that? Uh, I will say this, though. I saw this Opta stat. I think I shared it with you guys that since Opta, I guess, started uh, measuring chances created over the last 10 years, I guess, Mesut Ozil is the top chance creator in the Premier League over the last 10 years. Pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty good. Pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty impressive. I gotta I say. I don't know. Yeah, what was I, the I thing that you said about Ozil the other day? I feel like you yeah, should say know. it in public. I don't know if our listeners are ready for this for this level of spice. Do it for me. Uh, <laughs> I will just say this because I don't want to get into this protracted <laughs> discussion on this podcast about it, but I did proffer on our Slack that. The great Belarusian Alexander Hleb, in the season, the Premier League season, 2007-2008, performed better than Mesut Ozil has at any time in his Arsenal career. Wow, that's a very clippable audio bite right there. But yeah, Hleb, <laughs> greater sign, Ozil. <laughs> just, just for the record, for those of you listening... <laughs> Hleb <laughs> has eight goals and 12 assists in his entire Arsenal career. <laughs> uh, all you Alexander Hleb heads, give me a shout on Twitter. All right, let's move on. <laughs> At Leg Sanity asks, is Bernardo Silva too good to leave out when Kevin De Bruyne comes back? 
and related at CMEC242. Who should be sacrificed for KDB, Bernardo or David Silva? David Silva. And of course, KDB is in training. It looks like he might be coming back as soon as this weekend or next. So somebody has to be left out. Who should it be? I think this was my favorite question that we got, at least the hardest one to answer. And the answer is you leave out KDB and you sell him in January. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Woo! fuck. Well, Just kidding. I, I, do not was, do that. I, I mean, mean, that was brisk. I, <laughs> that was awesome. I, feel, I love it. I feel it. awake now. Like, I just <laughs> how, how, much do you think, how much do you think KDB would get on the open market? Would he get 80 mil pounds? I think he's gone for... 100 mil? Pogma numbers? He's more than Pogba. More than Pogba numbers. <laughs> I, it's, I think more than a hundred Dembele I mean, numbers. Yeah. Ronaldo went for a hundred, right? I think. Well, I think that. Yeah, but I mean, that was in two thousand nine. <laughs> like we, like there's a hundred million was spent on a keeper this summer. Mbappe numbers for De Bruyne. So that's like one sixty, something like that. <laughs> I think it's it's closer to one fifty than it isn't. Okay, so we should actually answer this question. I I would say Bernardo Silva is. Uh, probably the most the player I've been most surprised with this season in that he's been fucking awesome um, and he's <laughs> played three games at center mid one at attacking mid one at right mid one at right wing and one at defensive mid so he's kind of been all over the field and been great in every role but it's still David Silva we're talking about here and he's still elite when he's on the field so I think I would drop Bernardo Silva but the bigger story here to me is that City now have their long-term replacement, replacement for David Silva for the next, you know, however many years they want him. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question? Do you think, like, attacking midfielders to Pep is like running backs to Mike Shanahan in his heyday in Denver in that they're a little bit interchangeable and any of them will look good in that system? Oh, the running back by committee mm. question. I mean, like, I don't know, like... System Gund- running backs, system attacking mids. <laughs> Gundua was also shuffled around like that last season. Who's like an average, a league average midfielder? Jack Wilshire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, sorry. If you, put, if you put Jack Wilshire in the city midfield, yeah, he'd probably rack up like 12 assists. What if the the ultimate the ultimate litmus test for this for this theory is what if you took Anderson at the at the end of his Manchester United career and put him in <laughs> put him in Pep's midfield? Would he, he also would be like a, he would, he'd be more like he'd be more like Fernandinho though, like a destroyer type. I'm thinking just attackers like you know the ones that are one twoing and moving around like David Silva or or Bernardo Silva, like Ricardo Pereira or someone like that. Uh, um, he'd probably be amazing, actually, for Red City. This is an I'd never I hadn't thought about this just because you know the the stick that Pep gets beaten with is that he's just always buying the best players and mm-hmm. just slotting them in, and that's why they look so great. But I mean, this is the sort of eternal question with him that I want to see one day to hit him like managing a team with less means. talent. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, fucking Fabian Delph was an elite left back last season. It's Fabian Delph. So I think I'm going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This is a Liverpool question uh, from epantoya underscore 18. I, I'm saying all these Twitter handles like people, are, I mean, it's like I'm phonetically saying them. So <laughs> you're doing a great Epantoya, job. Yeah. epantoya underscore 18. Props to you. Uh, this is the question. 
Regression was expected, but how worried should Liverpool fans be about Mo? And of course, he's referring to or he or she. I'm sorry, Mo Salah. Ooh, <laughs> I like this we should, question. We, we, should, we should note that, uh, as Micah mentioned, Liverpool um, have some injury problems. Navi Keita hurt his thigh, I believe. Virgil Van Dijk is hobbling a little bit. Sadio Asane broke his thumb, and Mo Mo had something right in his uh, uh, in his friendly or yeah. in his match. Picked up a knock on his leg, but I think he's expected to play this weekend. Um, anyway, how worried how worried are you about Mo Salah? I'm actually not worried at all in any form. I think he had four goals through eight games last year. He has three through eight games this year. His expected goals and expected assist numbers are higher this year. He's a goal expected goal higher than anyone else in the league. And so the whole argument with Salah is that he's like lost his confidence or forgot how to shoot. The guy scored directly off a corner kick for Egypt, and that is not sort of the behavior of someone who's low in confidence, in my opinion. So I think as far as like knowing how expected goals work, Salah is like the best bet for someone who's just going to score a bucket load of goals provided he stays healthy very soon. I know Mike is not worried about Mosala. Are you? <laughs> I have so many other things to worry about. <laughs> All right, next question. At R. Erickson, he asks, can you explain the difference between sorry ball and clap style of play for a football newbie? Uh, and a related question is at Fikes93. What do Liverpool and City do with their press that makes them better than almost everyone else? Is it positioning or work rate, or is it just the coaches drilling their guys? I guess the first part, Sari Ball and Gengen pressing, what's the difference uh, to a newbie? Or for a newbie, I guess. Could you explain that? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sari Ball is more... The f- main focus of Sari Ball heavy. is dominating possession, yeah. and that's kind of your... Your first defensive tactic in sorry ball is to have the ball so the other team can't score. But then additionally, another tenant of it is they kind of will quote-unquote lull you to sleep with kind of metronomic passing and then spring an attack really quickly and be able to do the one-touch passing. Yep, the vertical kind of... That's why Giroud is sort of the perfect player, the backboard, play it <laughs> yeah. forward, drop it back, then play another through ball. I, I think the th- thing with sorry ball that you should know that makes it unique is that... It's a very kind of like rigid positional system. So when they're in possession and out of possession, the players are sort of in the same spot that they're in in both phases of the game. So it makes it easier for them to kind of immediately win win the ball back and restart the possession, and it makes kind of the the interplay easier. I think the thing with Gagan pressing is that's more like I don't think Klopp really wants to have possession. But I, the way that I would describe it is that with with uh, gang impression and the uh, you know like Klopp style of play is such that if you have the ball then you have to be terrified of having it like yes. you have to be on pins and needles about making a mistake because they can spring an attack so quickly agreed I, and I think the thing we should note with that is that it's all about sort of playing in transition when the other team wins the ball back, you then create another transition by winning it back, and then their entire defense is unsettled, and then you have all the space to run into. But, you know, we talk a lot about Klopp and pressing, but Liverpool's pressing numbers overall have dropped every season since he Klopp came to Liverpool. They're now, like, I think it's eighth in the Premier League in the in the based on the pressing numbers, and I think 
you know, I, I saw Gary Neville kind of losing his mind over Liverpool not pressing Ederson against Man City, but Liverpool don't do that much anymore. They sort of play a mid-block, it's called, where they they sort of line up at the midfield line and they lure the team to play a difficult pass into the midfield and then when the ball gets there, that's when they spring the press as opposed to pressing the opposition defense. Um, so it's not quite as frenetic as as people, as it used to be or as how I think it's generally characterized in the press anymore. Maybe and that's it's because they, ha- they have a better defense now? And- I think that, and I think that's probably directly connected with why they have a better defense also. That was a great answer, guys. Props to you. One thing we should say about, or we know now about Klopp style play and sorry ball, when matched up against each other, it makes for an entertaining match. As we saw last month with the 1-1 draw. Now, apparently, when you match up uh, Guardiola ball with Klopp ball, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> no one should watch it. <laughs> Negative. <laughs> All right, next question. At PJ underscore Thomp for Ryan, the XG God. Who is the current... PL packing Gorn. I've packing, never of course, seen <laughs> that acronym before. It's so ugly. It's so <laughs> ugly. <laughs> Gorn stands for greatest of right now. I guess he, he should have just said goat. I guess goat would be of all time. Oh, I get it now. Yeah. Gorn Whoa. as opposed to goat. Whoa. Yeah. Well, it's not an pa- animal, so there's no I- emoji for Gorn. Gorge. And packing, in case you missed it from, I think it was the last episode or the episode before, it's a stat in which you measure... How many opponents or defenders you bypass in making a pass? Is that the best way to explain it, Ryan? Yes. In a, in a sense? Yep. He should have just said, who's packing the most in the Premier League? I think anyway, that could have been construed several different feels ways. Like, yeah, that's exactly, exactly why you should have asked it. Though. I don't want to project <laughs> this, but I feel like he's been using Gorn around his friends, and they're all just like, this is fucking stupid. And <laughs> he's, he's trying, trying to make, to make Gorn make, happen? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, but let's let's answer this question. Um, most bypassed opponents, so just total opponents anywhere on the field, unsurprisingly, is Jorginho uh, from S- Chelsea, former formerly of Napoli, rejoined with his manager from Napoli, Maurizio Sarri. If you watch a Chelsea game, that's unsurprising. They basically, as soon as they get the ball, they look for him, and he kind of cycles it up and down the field. But as far but. as central midfielders go... Bypass defenders, so that's playing a completed pass that takes out at least one player in the back line or sort of the last midfielder. The best midfielder in the Premier League, John Joe Shelby. Part of that has to do with probably he... He was killing United, yeah, Mike. I don't know sing- why you're the laughing. the single game against United, he had 4,000 bypass defenders. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm, I'm laughing because this is how I keep from crying, Donnie. It's, <laughs> it's very simple. But I think that's also just based on Newcastle doesn't have a packed-in defense in front of them when uh, Shelby gets the ball. So I think that's why. But I also asked uh, James York, who works for StatsBomb, who writes for this, our site occasionally, kind of who the best ball-progressing players in the world are this year. Number one, who do you guys think number one is? Wait, what was the question? The best pressing? Ball-progressing, so moving the oh, ball, ball up progressing? the field. Who's it's, number it, one? It's not Jorginho. Wait, what, and the, it's, bur- and it, the best? Yeah, or in inter- the world, entire world. So far this season. Okay, hold on. Uh, a midfielder. Hotter. <laughs> 
the way you're asking, it makes me think it's like a. It's, it's very not obvious. Obvious. It's, it's not. A it's, fun it answer. makes it seems like it. I know that. Isn't Jack Wilshire? Yeah. <laughs> I know that, like, at present. Like Paul Pop was actually leading the league in, in final third passes, but I don't know if that's that translates the same way. Not quite. Answer is I, the true Balon d'Or winner and the actual best Croatian midfielder, Ivan Rakitic. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jorginho's second and Messi's third. So just to give people a general sense of like what these stats, who they value. I'm giving um John Joe Shelby a new title as well, or an additional title in addition to the packing Gorn. He is the <laughs> Wow, this actually <laughs> sounds so good. That is, for him. That is, he's all he, the, he's also the, the <laughs> <laughs> He's the G corn, which is the greatest cue ball of right now. He refers to completely bald player. Uh and great. What do you think? Him and Aaron Moy? He's he's above Moy in the G corn rankings. At Michael Peters. Michael Bradley. <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, I'm saying at Michael Peters, like you asked the question. This was directed. This was directed to you from the same person, PJ underscore Tom. Is there any way that Jose just says "fuck it" and sticks with an uber aggressive attacking side? <laughs> I think when pigs fly over the t- frozen tundras of hell, or. <laughs> If it so aligns with him trying to make a point to the board about not getting enough money for something, uh, like I guess the the we kind of had this a, a version of this discussion after uh, Manchester United lost three zero to Tottenham, where the scoreline didn't necessarily reflect the way that United played. It was actually one of their uh, one of their better attacking performances. This season, but at the same time, they lost three to zero. <laughs> and I think that if there's anyone that can least argue for partial credit, it's it's Jose yeah. Mourinho. Yes. So I don't think that there's going to be like any sort of actual tactical. It's too late for in his life for him to change. It yeah. seems like every somewhat, not that there are many of these on the team, somewhat defensively capable player needs to get injured. And to force his hand. Yeah, basically. exactly. <laughs> uh, this next question is also for Mike. Uh, it's like kind of low key dig, and I think you can glean that from the handle, which is at two nil to the Arsenal, the <laughs> <Duh>, Arsenal, the <laughs> Arsenal. Can we get? <laughs> can we get Michael Peters' thoughts on the race for top seven? Who does he see as United's greatest threat? Specified Whoa. that it was. He said, "Can we got Michael?" Pe- you know what? If you're gonna say <laughs> some stuff like this, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a stickler for your grammar. <laughs> Micah, who who's your biggest challenger? Wolves, Watford, or Everton? Uh, <laughs> we've had to answer this like it's a serious question. No, that is a serious but question. But it is a serious question, which is, ugh. No, um, no love for Bournemouth. No love yeah. for Bournemouth at all. I mean, Bournemouth above all of those teams, so. I, like, honestly, it, that would have, that was going to be my answer, is that it's going to be Bournemouth and not any of those teams. I mean, Watford is in, in serious need of... Well, they need to replenish the ranks. They're probably going to have to dip into the transfer into the transfer pool this this upcoming window. Everton, uh, no, no it's Everton. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Wolves. I mean, I still think that Wolves is just going to be a very solid mid table team. Um, I don't know that they're necessarily going to challenge for any of the Europa League spots, but um, I think that Manchester United is going to have that weird. 
Everton thing of like being better in quality than most of the, I mean, like most of the mid table teams, all the bottom table teams, but not anywhere close enough to any of the teams at the top. So, so your answer is Bournemouth. Yeah, Bournemouth. <laughs> and you also just said that Man U is going to become Everton. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next question. I like this one. This is from at Stephen Moran 100. If y'all could move any one player to a new team to help maximize that player, who would it be and where would you move them? I'm going to answer this one first. Go for it. When I was looking at this question, I actually Ozil to Montreal Impact. (laughs) (laughs) Ozil to DC United. Come on. Because he's he's asking moving a player to a new team to help maximize that player, not necessarily help that team. Fair. But... I mean, I guess it work, It would work both ways. I was thinking the great Joseph Martinez of Atlanta United. Is it called Atlanta United? Yep. Yeah. Of Atlanta <laughs> United. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> if it wasn't like Real Atlanta, I kind of forgot their name. Anyway, of Atlanta's MLS team to Newcastle. What do you guys think? Rondon's already there. So he has a Venezuelan partner. Newcastle need goals. Joseph Martinez has 30 goals in 32 MLS games. And I really want to see if he can translate that to the Premier League. Got to say, I kind of like that. That's actually, I like that (laughs) also as well. (laughs) A Rondon Martinez front two. And then you got Shelby and Yedlin behind them. I mean, you know, that's unbeatable. What do you guys say? Yes, I'm into that. Mine is. And Golo Conte to Atletico Madrid. Wow. 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 Okay. All right, wait. No, wait. Explain. Well, I think Conte, given how much possession Chelsea has, there's an argument that he just doesn't, his strengths aren't really needed and being used in the way that Chelsea play. Um, He's kind of getting on the ball at the top of the box, which I don't think is what he's best at. You could, can't believe I'm saying this, but you could make a, an argument that Ross Barkley makes more sense given the way that Chelsea plays than Conte does. Uh, Ross Barkley is nowhere near as good as Conte, so I want that on the record. And then I think Conte playing in the, like, just mad dog, ferocious Simeone style would be just insanely exciting to watch. Yeah. Chelsea fans are in conniption fits right now, just hearing that. Anyway, Micah. I'm going to actually take Ryan's uh, Ryan's darling Frankie de Jong and say, uh, come to death row. And actually, no, don't, 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 don't. actually, he should, he, he should stay far away from me. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. He should go to City because he would be the best center back of all time. Funny you should mention that because that's actually a rumor uh, that City are after Frankie de Jong, uh, Ryan's favorite player. 80 million pounds, I guess, is the quoted fee. It could happen in January, but he wouldn't come until next season. It'd be one of those uh, Nabi Keita deals. Sounds like a good De Bruyne replacement. (laughs) (laughs) If there's one manager who's going to, like, use an extremely versatile, weird player like uh, Frankie de Jong, it's It's Guardiola. Frankie. Yep. Interestingly, he wears number 21 at the club level, which is a weird number. That's like— I don't know. It's That's a young guy getting called up unexpectedly and having to grab a random number. It feels like. Yeah, I think he had he wore forty three or something before. Uh, he he looked. I mean, he wears seven. I think for the national team. 
That sounds that sounds better. Yeah. All right. Next question at Wizard of Loneliness. That's <laughs> the tough. Wizard of Loneliness. <laughs> this Micah's burner account. Uh, if you had to switch bodies, <laughs> wow, if, you, if, you to, <laughs> if you had to switch bodies with one Should player just, like, or coach, why there? <laughs> if you had to switch bodies with one player or coach for forty eight hours, who would it be? Keep it in mind. They'll be operating your body during that time as well. Diego so Simeone. Ba- oh this God. is basically, I, is this, I woke up in Harry Kane's body. <laughs> I would not want to switch bodies with any coach because they're insa- all insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like, I think that I'm just, I'm thinking about this with the detachment of like floating above and getting to watch it play out from the outside, which is that like a Freaky Friday movie with me and Diego Simeone, I would watch that. I would watch that. (laughs) (laughs) Diego Simeone is like, shows up at Sunset Gower like, what the fuck am I doing here? (laughs) In Spanish. Me and Quaresma. It's not even, I didn't even have to think about this for more than 15 seconds. Ryan would just be staring in the mirror at his neck tattoos. Yep. <laughs> just touching them. And then I, I don't have an answer to this. So, but that, those are good answers. Diego Simeone for Micah and <laughs> Ricardo Cresmo for Ryan. <laughs> oh, man. All right. All right. Next question. Uh, I had a couple Spurs questions. Should we just skip them? I talked to Kevin Clark <laughs> off air oh, about him. Man. One of them was uh, at McKinley Divine asked who broke Musa Dembele. Uh, Kevin just said, you can be elite for only so long. <laughs> That's true. That's a very good point. <laughs> at Megaphone Sports asked, who would be at the at or near the top of your January big board if you are running Spurs? But that's a stupid question because they're not going to buy anybody. All right. That's not a stupid question. Actually, Megaphone Sports. I'm just saying. Uh, what, it's well, obvious they were not going to buy anybody. So, Well, you said, uh, okay, you said uh, Dom, Dombele from uh, Lyon. Yeah. I mean, like, basically anybody with pace and can, can control a <laughs> ball in tight spaces. <laughs> or just anybody named Dombele? Anyone with a similar name to Dombele. This is Ndombele. <laughs> So, oh, sorry, sorry, but he's awesome. He he destroyed Man City in the Leon Man City game, which means he's probably out of Tottenham's price range, partially because he has just a transfer fee of at least one pound associated to him, which means he's out of Tottenham's <laughs> price range. <laughs> uh, uh, Daniel Levy, the the erstwhile progenitor of the "We Got Food at Home" movement in world football. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's the transfer strategy. It's just, we got food at home. <laughs> All right, at Duckaneer, which uh, asks, which unemployed manager, uh, he mentions Yardim, uh, of course, just recently sacked by Monaco, AVB, who is, what, racing cars in Shanghai or something? <laughs> Hasenhutl. Hasenhutl was what? Leipzig, Leipzig, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Would you, okay, so which of these unemployed managers, et cetera, I guess, you know, he mentions them as examples. Would you hire if you owned a club? And he says, asterisk, I know the answer is obviously Big Sam, but entertain me. So you guys are starting a football club. You can have any manager that's currently available, not at another job. Who would you choose? Uh, Jardim, I think. Uh, if you, Well, I'm thinking about Jardim specifically for my purposes, but if you're talking about somebody that can create value out of, I guess, I mean, he's basically good at, like, uh, I mean, in, in terms of developing talent, 
I think, the best out of this batch of people that have been mentioned. Which, I mean, I think that would be essential for if you're starting a new team and you can't really afford expensive players. And he's also... Just, is Micah making eyes at Jardim right now for his yes, class? I absolutely, I absolutely am doing that. <laughs> the good thing about Jardim is he's played like a bunch of different styles too. Yeah. Uh, with the different types of players so you know that he's kind of, you presume he's flexible and is also good at adapting. Like dealing with new players all the time. Um, I think the answer here is Bruce Arena. <laughs> Wait, isn't Bruce Arena, isn't he at the Galaxy? No? No. Uh, I He's just just out there. Out there since the US didn't qualify for the World Cup. <laughs> I think I would uh I would go with Conte. I mean, I think Conte's the best. Like if you want immediate results, Conte is the best guy out there, no questions asked. But you know like I would hire him and then be sort of planning my next hire from yeah. the start. Well, I mean, in this in this hypothetical <laughs> John situation, as the what assistant. is the climate that your team plays in? Is it is it anything Less than coastal and sunny. And, you know, like, I mean, like, is it going to be raining there? Uh, do people drive on the left side of the street? <laughs> I think that you Micah, have to answer all Micah these going questions. What's going on about if, right now? Yeah, I'm confused. <laughs> all right, let's just move on. Uh, which, uh, Gianta13 asks, which Premier League manager is each character on Seinfeld? <laughs> I feel like Mourinho is George Costanza. That's the I, got, I had that. Yeah. That's the situation had, that's, at United. Yeah. I had Klopp as as Jerry. Hmm. It's Klopp or Pep? No. Uh, Pep is kind of low-key Kramer. Yeah, he's actually <laughs> low-key Kramer. <laughs> he's actually low-key Kramer. No, no, Neil Warnock is Kramer. I think Pep... I had Pep as possibly Elaine. Explain. Klopp is Jerry, though. Explain I, Pep is Elaine. It's hard for me to really explain <laughs> other, other than I needed an Elaine and Pep and Pep wasn't taken, so. Big Sam is Newman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we, let's uh, do a little speed round here because we are running low on time. Okay, so quick one. Uh, at Pastegs asks, which is more likely, Bayern doesn't win the Bundesliga or Barca or Real doesn't win La Liga? Good question. I'm going to say Bayern doesn't win the Bundesliga partially because I looked at the 538 odds for a piece that's going up tomorrow. And if you add up <laughs> Barca and Real's odds, they're higher than Bayern's. But I think it's just from like, one, Bayern's already down in sixth. And then also it's only one team. So like a couple bad injuries or whatever happen at Bayern, then they don't win. You kind of need two disasters for Madrid and Barca to not win it. That's my thinking. Yeah. Micah? No, I mean like that's fundamentally mathematically sound. Yeah, flawless. <laughs> All right. Uh, at SamJ007, which teams around Europe deserve more attention based on their recent performances and XG production? It's another question for you, XG God. Uh, That's a watch watchability question. Could be a watchability question as well. Uh Honestly, Sevilla, and I know that doesn't quite count because they're first in La Liga, but they have the second best expected goal differential in La Liga and I just from I think we would all kind of if we saw Sevilla in first in La Liga our reaction to that would be that's not like that's not going to last that they've gotten lucky but they've actually probably been the second best team in La Liga this far which is pretty incredible so shout out to them 
Uh, okay, so this last set of questions is all USMNT related Hell at yeah. Bucos 25. <laughs> Saving the best for last. Do you think Pulisic has similar production to Sancho if he is used in the same super sub role that Sancho has been? Well, I this mean, is a U.S. fan just sort of looking at Pulisic stats and being like, "What the fuck is this? <laughs> Give me a lifeline." <laughs> yeah. I actually, I actually kind of agree with this. Um, we talked about it. It's kind of uh, yeah, easier I, to come on as a substitute with less responsibility. So bench Pulisic. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> at Joe's Kark, Greg Berhalter is the top candidate for the USMNT job right now, according to Grant Wall. Your thoughts? I have uh, no thoughts about that, so. Well, no, nah, I mean, like, we we also kind of talked about this offline the other day. Like, Greg Borhalter is probably the the best available U.S., like, American coach. Yes. Give, give us a sentence bio. Loves analytics, reads tactics blogs. I mean, what else do you need? What's his pedigree? Manager of the crew. Man, manager of the crew, for, formal national player. I mean, like, it's, it's he's... <laughs> I mean, like basically, the 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 bottom line of this is is that Burhalter is the best like American option, but like you should we should go we should export that job. I'm sorry. Yeah, he he also coached in uh, at Hammerby in Sweden for two years from 2011 to 2013, and was I think was the first U.S. manager to, to get a job in Europe. Mm-hmm. So and then he came to the Crew, and Crew have been great basically ever since he's been there. Play. F- soccer that's good to watch the sort of numbers behind it are all very good so it's sort of a question of I know this is a lightning round I'm going to stop talking in a second no, it's, uh, it's, best American manager but you know should the US be hiring the best American manager or just the best manager they can find let's just go with it Ringer FC this is our official endorsement of Greg Burlhalter Hell yeah. Bull, Bull, Halter. the Gorn the Gorn of American <laughs> <The> Gorn. coaches <laughs> Uh, okay, the quickly. And Gorn. Ba- at and underscore Berrigan. Thoughts about the rumors of a MLS Liga MX merger related at R2D292? What are the odds that this talk about the merger of Liga MX, which is, of course, the Mexican Domestic League, and MLS actually go anywhere? Does the product make sense on the field? Well, they already sort of have the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, I... Don't necessarily think that there's legs to this. Do you? I mean, like, there's the the joint U.S. Mexico bid, but it's don't forget Canada. It seems Sorry, like excuse, U.S. Mexico Canada <laughs> bid North American. Well, this would include the Montreal Impact and the Whitecaps, I would assume, <laughs> um, and Toronto FC. We should not forget about them. I think Defending it's a, champs. That's true. Who are not going to make the playoffs this year? <laughs> uh, I think it's probably financially makes a ton of sense for both leagues um, for this to happen, but there's just a ton of moving pieces and a lot of thorny politics and egos in this situation that... uh, It's a ways away from happening is what you're saying. Yeah, but it's the reason it might happen is because it probably would make all the people involved a lot of money. Last question at Alan Zero Jones. Is it realistic to think that the USMNT can at least compete with the top nations in the next few World Cups? I'm um, giggling. Well, it depends <laughs> upon what you think the word compete means. Like, if you mean it, like, in the purely technical sense of the term, like, as in being on the same field, uh, sure. But, I mean, like, as as far as uh, top nations go, I don't know about 
all of that? I mean, with the right manager and sort of selection of players, I guess anything is possible. As we saw at the World Cup, you know, it's it's possible for uh, sort of lesser favored teams to compete, but it's just uh, the talent's just really not there right now. Um, yeah. And I think the expectation for the U.S. to not get blown off the field is a <laughs> is a fair one, but I don't think. I don't see the U.S. making noise the 2022 World Cup. Sorry, Alan. The answer to your question is no. On that note, thank you, everyone. Whoa. Uh, who's, Hold wait. up. There's one more question. Yeah. Ask oh. it. Oh, 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 sorry. I almost forgot this. At, <laughs> cont- at uh, Contemplative Jesus, <laughs> he asked, he or she asked, when is Donnie going to eat the boot? The when people want to know, damn it. <laughs> It's all contingent on me getting to LA and getting, you know, like I have to do it on camera in order for it to really register. And all the camera studio stuff is in Los Angeles. I'm in New York. I'm not making excuses. I'm just explaining. It'll happen, people. Don't worry. It'll happen. Finance department of the ringer, fly him out. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, thank you to everybody who submitted questions. We're going to take a quick break here and come back with some news. Hey guys, before we get back to today's episode of Ringer FC, I wanted to tell you a little bit about proper cloth. Finding a dress shirt that fits is nearly impossible. Something is always off, be it the collar or the sleeves. Thankfully, ordering a custom shirt has never been easier with proper cloth. At propercloth.com, you can easily create a custom shirt size in seconds just by answering 10 simple questions. Choose from over 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, and 500 fabric styles from classic to business to casual to completely customize your shirt and get the style that you want the team of proper cloth works with the best fabric producers from around the world and they only buy fabrics that meet their high quality expectations each one of their shirts goes through extensive quality control testing so you're getting the absolute best quality and craftsmanship best of all proper cloth guarantees a perfect fit meaning that if somehow your shirt doesn't fit perfectly They'll remake it for free. The whole process is risk-free. This is the future of shirts. These shirts are made completely custom just for you, starting at only $80. So stop right now from wearing shirts that don't fit and start looking your best with a custom-fitted shirt. Go to propercloth.com slash FC today. Enter gift code FC to save $20 on your first shirt. Now back to the show. All right, we're back. Premier League is also back this weekend. The big match, we mentioned it earlier, Chelsea hosts Manchester United. I guess that's the biggie. What do you guys think is going to happen? Wobbles. I I have nothing to... There's there's nothing more that you can expect than wobbles uh, on on United's part at at this juncture. Hazard versus... Whoever the hell you guys are, are trotting be- out on the right side is a really scary proposition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll see the Portuguese. Uh, uh, what's his name? Diago. Uh, no, Diego. Yeah. Delo. I mean, he's played like what two games? But didn't he played well and then just well he disappeared. played well he played one he played that one Champions League fixture against Young Boys was good um, and then. I that think was probably the best, best performance that. of the entire season, that game. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was against young boys. But. Yeah. 
It was against young boys, exactly. And then there was that one highlight of him uh, kind of misplacing a touch, but then recovering it on a on a sprint, and then you know, like whipping a ball into the box, and everybody's just like, "Whoa, masterclass!" And I was just like, <laughs> "Nah, not really." But I, at the same time, I like would like to see him, more of him. Yes. Uh, All right. Before we uh, record again, United are going to be welcoming Cristiano Ronaldo back to Old Trafford. Are you excited about that, Micah? That's going to be a good one. Do you know <laughs> that, like, maybe a couple of, like, maybe a, a couple of months ago that might have been an interesting prospect? Now I'm just filled with existential dread about it. Nothing about nothing about that entire situation is going to be anything other than complicated. Is, is that because of... The state of United is that because of the, state the of stories United, around the Ronaldo? State of, the state of Ronaldo, the state of Ronaldo, the state of United, state of the world. <laughs> yep, Just, um, <laughs> a lot of existential dread everywhere. It's the uh, Wizard of Loneliness over here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the rest of the it's kind of a nothing burger week of matches. Besides that Chelsea United clash, we had Bournemouth and Southampton, Cardiff against Fulham. I'm interested in Cardiff versus Fulham. For what reason? Because <laughs> I think Fulham like plays this style where they try to possess the ball a ton. And as we saw against Arsenal, they just get punted into the sun by more talented teams. But theor- in theory, they should be able to dominate Cardiff, and that's kind of the equation of Fulham staying up and that they should be able to beat a lot of the bottom of the league team. So I think... If you it's see, almost a must-win for them. If for you Fulham. see Fulham struggle against Cardiff, it's it's, it's not a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> I think Leicester Arsenal should be fun. Those games are usually good. Yeah, that's on a Monday, actually. Uh, how do you feel about Liverpool traveling to Huddersfield Town with uh, limping, six limping into <laughs> limping, limping to Huddersfield Town? Uh, I'm not worried about it. Uh, Huddersfield's terrible. It's my main take on that. <laughs> West Ham Spurs is a London derby. West Ham's looked a little better recently since they. Uh, I wish they didn't lose to fucking Brighton because uh, they were looking so good, and and then they, it was just they played bad. They've somehow the midfield of Declan Rice, uh, Pedro Obiang, and Mark Noble has sort of steadied the ship there. I don't really <laughs> yeah. know what that means, but that's don't sleep, don't sleep on Mark Noble. Mark Noble's good. You know who's good? Felipe Anderson. He's very good. I love that guy. He's very good. He's definitely not long for West Ham. Arnautovic has played really well again, actually. So shout out to uh, him. Almost he also as well scored. As Harry Kane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he also scored in the international break uh, for Austria. Which Wolves which, uh, and what, league are they in? Austria B. I don't even C. know league. One of them. <laughs> Wolves Watford. Anyone? That's the seventh place team against the ninth place team, so it's an above mid table clash. Could be interesting, but they're both both kind of making their bones on being good defensive teams, so it could also be super boring. But I mean, the possibility of Adama Traore getting who, getting who subbed on in the seventy third minute and destroying somebody's legs. <laughs> uh, Pep. Versus English Pep, as in Sean Dyche, Man City versus Burnley. <laughs> I mean, these games are always fascinating because yeah. it's the exact opposite teams playing each other. And it seems like there's the danger of at least one City player breaking his leg. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, the 
you're likely to learn something about the ways in which Man City's attack can be, I don't know, mitigated, sure. But I, 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 you fully expect them to win that. They did draw the second game last year, so that there's that. It's true. All right, guys, so that's the Premier League weekend ahead. And finally, we come to an announcement about the show. A very sad one. The XG God, our pal, Ryan O'Hanlon, is leaving the ringer. And this will be his last episode of Ringer FC. In preparation for this moment, I asked Micah to make an analogy. Ryan leaving Ringer FC is like ex-player leaving my favorite team, Manchester United. (laughs) I thought hard about this one, but not for very long. Uh... You say Diego Forlan I'm just walking out. <laughs> I briefly flirted with Diego Forlan actually. Uh, I but I couldn't figure out exactly what your, um, you know, moment of slipping in the six yard box and skying, you know, uh, a shot over the bar and having Sir Alex Ferguson chew you out would be. It's true. I almost choked on an apple right before we recorded <laughs> this. So. I and really he's not wish that I would have. I would have. I, I would have pocketed that for 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 this occasion. I also thought about uh, Jisung Park, but then wow, um, <laughs> oh you know, you were were a more interesting character than that. Is Ryan insult? Ryan's insulted. Okay, keep going. Keep going. So I settled on. I settled on a striker <laughs> slash midfield player that kind of just had the tendency of drifting back into the midfield and like going to get the ball himself and showing people how they should be doing things when he was interested, you know, uh, b- basically like hell has no fury, like a Demitar Berbatov scorned. <laughs> yes. He also managed to keep his weight down by refusing to eat and smoking cigarettes. And then, you know, like would do things like, Burba. Bring a ball down in an inch of space from a ball put at 60 yards in the air, you know? So, um, preternaturally talented, wildly infuriating, <laughs> inconsistent. <laughs> hey, note, note to all listeners, please follow Berbatov on Instagram. He's a great It's follow. really great. Also, Anyways, like Ryan also just, you know, like sketches things occasionally and posts them to Instagram. This is true. Follow me on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's your at, Ryan, on Instagram? Uh, I actually haven't updated my Instagram in like two years. It's the same as my Twitter. <laughs> so if you want to see some stuff from two years ago. Rohan, R-W-O-H-A-N. <laughs> That's the nicest thing you've ever said about me. You know, it, it, took, it, it took a lot out of me, <laughs> but... I did the same exercise, Ryan, uh, trying to compare you leaving the Ringer and Ringer FC to a player leaving the Arsenal. Player or coach, because first I thought Arsene Wenger, uh, a stalwart, Damn. you know, the kind that of also tour, the nicest thing that he's ever the, said about. The, the string puller. <laughs> Who overstayed his welcome. <laughs> well, see, that, that's why it wasn't quite analogous, because it wasn't, there weren't any O'Hanlon out banners. Uh, and you didn't overstay your welcome. So it, then I thought Jack Wilshire, <laughs> just because of how much I love Jack <laughs> Wilshire, but I thought that analogy would also be a little bit unfair to your overall contribution to the pod. So I settled on none other than Sesc Fabregas. 
Oh my God. Wow. The Sesk. Wow. Wow. Of Ringer FC. <laughs> You're saying wow because Sesk is awesome, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, since Sesk left the Arsenal, we've never been the same. Different, but not the same. That's beautiful. So you leaving is like Sesk leaving. And hopefully we don't replace you with someone like Mesut Ozil. <laughs> uh, and hopefully I don't have the the same unsuccessful Barcelona stint with Sesca. <laughs> No, You'll awesome. win trophies. Will you win trophies with the athletic or? or <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Oh, no, that's awesome. I uh, I love both you guys. I didn't know either of you two years ago, basically, and uh, getting to do this with both of you has been, especially doing it over the summer during the World Cup every day, was definitely one of the best personal experiences of my life. I would say, and it was just so much fun. And it was fun because I got to do it with, with you guys and just because of all the sort of interaction we had with the listeners, even the people that kept trolling us about mispronouncing names, not talking enough about Tottenham. <laughs> Call, calling it calling it soccer instead of football. Not being high enough on Arsenal. Um, <laughs> the podcast has just been so much fun. Half getting to bullshit with Micah and Donnie and then half getting to seriously analyze the sport that I think the three of us you know, love more than any other sport has just been uh, been so awesome, and the feedback we've gotten on it has been, you know, better than I ever could have expected. So I'm extremely bummed to be leaving, but uh, I can't wait to listen to the lack of XG talk <laughs> in the future. <laughs> we we should say we should say this won't most likely not be the last time you guys ever hear Ryan's voice because when Liverpool are knocked out of the Champions League <laughs> and when they fumble away the league this year, we'll definitely be calling Ryan we'll, to gloat. We'll be getting transmissions from Ryan's panic room. Yep. I will not be answering any of those calls, <laughs> but uh, you guys will hear my, hear my voicemail <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> but Ryan, since this, is, this, since this is your final episode for now, I'm giving you the mic to offer any bold predictions for the rest of the season that our listeners can jot down and see if they actually come true by year's end, season's end. This is awesome because I'm not going to have to, I don't have, you guys are going to have to deal with the fallout from this. (laughs) All right. I have five uh, predictions that I would not put any money on, but (laughs) we're going through them. Number one, Arsene Wenger will be managing Real Madrid by the end of the season. I love it. it. That would be Uh, amazing. That was a whole... The Lopetegui thing was a disaster from when it started. Their underlying numbers are really bad. Um, Doesn't seem like he's going to last there. Wenger has talked about Real Madrid in the past. You know, who else are they going to hire at this point? So count on that. Number two... Get ready for the Red Bull treble, as I'm calling it, with New York Red Bulls winning the <laughs> MLS. RB Leipzig, who I'm considering a part of Red Bull, even though the club does not like to be called Red Bull, winning the Bundesliga. <laughs> and RB Salzburg winning Europa League. I love Damn. that one, too. Wow. I know I, have, I don't have the best reputation for you know actually carrying out the bets, but if that happens... Mike and I are going to one-shot a tall can of Red Bull live on air. 
I cannot wait for that. <laughs> I'll I'll say the eulogies at both Knock of your out a thousand push-ups. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number three, less surprising, Frankie De Jong and Ajax will make a run to the Champions League semifinals. Wait, 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 wait. Ajax yep. to the Champions League. Yep. Are they even going to get out of their group? <laughs> hey, they're in first in their group right now. Tied Bayern. Wow. Okay. okay. Semifinals. Semifinals. They've got Dusan Tadic, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Stoke legend. <laughs> uh, number four. This one pains me. Uh, Manchester City is going to win the Premier League Champions League double this year. <laughs> That's that's some reverse yeah, that's... jinx shit. Fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, I learned from the best. Put the bad you know? juju out there. It in comes the universe. from the top. And, Man City. Uh, wait, so Man City wins the double, not a treble or quadruple. I just don't think they're going to care enough about the FA Cup. Fair point. They are defending Carabao Cup champions, though. Maybe they get the the triple, back door treble. Tr- treble with the Carabao. <laughs> the back door treble. Back door treble. Remember when Liverpool had the FA Cup, uh, Europa or UEFA Cup, and uh, Carling Cup treble? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was dope. Uh, and number five, <laughs> the soft treble. Number five, my most most bold prediction. Drum roll. Lionel Messi will win the next Ballon d'Or award. Oh, Uh, yeah. Uh, Had to bring it back to reality for a second, guys. Sure. Stunned silence on this end. Well, this is sad. This is sad. I'm just going to keep saying this is sad instead of like (laughs) actually grappling with the emotions I'm feeling right now. Everybody should continue to follow Ryan on Twitter and Instagram, even though he doesn't update it. Definitely, Ryan. We love you, man. Thanks for everything, and uh, good luck on your next endeavors. I appreciate it. I truly do love both of you, too. Damn it. Love you. I said I wasn't going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. On that note, we'll be back. Mike and I will be back in two weeks. Until then, peace. Bye, guys. Today's bittersweet episode of Ringer FC is brought to you by Poppercloth, the leader in men's custom shirts. Having trouble finding shirts that fit? At propercloth.com, ordering custom shirts has never been easier. Create your custom shirt size by answering 10 easy questions. Shirts start at $80 and are delivered in just two weeks. Perfect fit is guaranteed. If a shirt doesn't fit, they will remake it for free. The whole process is risk-free. For premium quality, perfect-fitting shirts, visit propercloth.com FC and use gift code FC to get $20 off your custom shirt order today.